The following program is for informational and educational purposes only. This program does not replace medical, mental health, or psychological diagnosis and treatment prescribed by your personal physician, psychologist, therapist, or other health care provider. Please consult your provider for diagnosis and care before beginning or changing any program or idea discussed. Welcome to Prescription for Success with your host, Dr. Emil Haldi. Each week, we come through the myths and facts about health and wellness in order to bring you the best advice and the right information that you need to live an incredible life. Now, here is Dr. Emil Haldi. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Prescription for Success. This is your host, Emil Haldi. I am super excited about my show today. The purpose of my show is to let you know as much information as possible about your health so you could be the CEO of your health. One of my mentors says that people with more options have better lives. My goal is to educate you about your options. If you're interested in hearing some of our past episodes, I encourage you to go to voiceamerica.com and download some of the previous shows. I loved every single one of them. We got a lot of feedback. My last show was about relationships, and the feedback was overwhelming. We're also very fortunate to have big names such as Dr. Furman, and many others, and Dr. Furman in particular, discussing plant-based diet. Let's talk about today's show. Heart disease is number one cause of death in our country. More and more Americans die every year from heart disease. They have MIs and other cardiac events. Many patients are taking large cocktails of medications, and at best, they are there to stabilize their disease, and many of them are getting worse. I strongly believe that we can do better, not only with heart disease, but with many chronic conditions such as Lyme, autoimmune, and even cancer. My guest today is Dr. Patrick Fratellon. Dr. Fratellon is an integrative cardiologist, one of very few in the country. Dr. Fratellon is a man of many talents, hobbies, and passions. He loves plants and nature, and he's a registered herbalist. Dr. Fratellon is also a beekeeper and uses honey and bee byproducts to help his patients. Dr. Fratellone worked as the Director of Cardiology for the Atkins Center for Complementary Medicine. He completed the Fellowship of Integrated Medicine under the direction of Dr. Andrew Weil. Welcome to the show, Dr. Fratellone. Such a pleasure to have you here. Oh, thank you so much. I didn't realize I did all that. <laughs> We're going to have a great discussion. Yes, you did. That's you, and I'm honored to have you here. We're going to have oh, a ton you. of fun, and it's going to be a super educational show. You are a very passionate and caring practitioner, and you always take the personalized approach, combining complementary medicine, integrative medicine, looking at mind, spirit, and body, and all of those are interconnected. How did you make the transition from a cardiologist to an integrative cardiologist? Well, you know, it's interesting. So I always wanted to be a doctor. I actually went into infectious disease before I did cardiology. But at that time in America, especially in New York and California, when I went into infectious disease, it was the AIDS epidemic. So I was very depressed that everyone in the practice that I was going to join was basically dying of AIDS. So I went back to do a fellowship of cardiology. When I finished cardiology, I was always interested in herbs because I was taking herbs from a young age because I have a congenital heart disease. Mm -hmm. And my parents did not believe in surgery. Um, and I ingested quite a many herbs as a kid, um, which I think saved my life. And I wind up, and I say this very freely, I wind up having cardiac surgery um, 
in 2004, which is now 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, my vows had to be done. But I think what kept me going all those years up until 15 years ago, so I think I was 44 at the time, um, was all the herbs that I took. So that's how I became interested in herb in herbs and botanical medicine. Wow, that that that's that's impressive. So you're an integrative cardiologist. Can you define integrative medicine for our listeners first? And then let's talk about integrative cardiology. So integrative medicine, um, you know, it used to be called, which I don't like it anymore, it used to be called alternative mm-hmm. or complementary or, or worst holistic. And a lot of people interpret that as kind of voodoo medicine. Mm-hmm. The word integrative came from Andrew Weil, where we look at it's the best of conventional medicine and the best of complementary medicine. So using all modalities. So for instance, chiropractor, chiropractic and acupuncture used to be considered complementary, but now they're part of mainstream medicine. Yes. Integrative medicine is now part of mainstream medicine in certain circles. Yes. And getting, getting better, getting much better. Yeah, they are actually, uh, it's, it's a formal specialty, right? You can even be board certified in integrative medicine. Yep. And so how, what's the difference between an integrative cardiologist, someone with your training, someone with your understanding of medicine versus a regular cardiologist? So, a, and I am a conventional cardiologist trained at Lenox Hill Hospital in New York City, a very fine institution for cardiology. And I did three years of a fellowship and then specialized in echo, which is ultrasound of the heart. The difference is in a cardiology fellowship, they don't talk about diet. They don't talk about exercise. Well, mm-hmm. they do a little bit, but they don't talk about supplements, whether they're botanical or herbal supplements or whether they're nutraceuticals. They talk about only conventional prescription medicine. So my training, I decided after I finished the integrative fellowship with Andrew Wall, I wanted to go into something else. And I had a doctor there, a Tirona Lodog, who's a very famous MD, MD, MDRH. Mm-hmm. He said, why don't you study herbs? And I did. So I became a registered herbalist plus an MD. So I could freely talk about treating any condition of heart disease with a conventional medicine such as a beta blocker, but I could add Stefania, I could add Hawthorne, I could add um, Digitalis. I could add all these things because I know the training of plants now. So it's a lot different. It, it, it sounds amazingly interesting, interesting and I'm sure very, very effective. And we'll dive with that, into that in a couple of moments. You, As a certified herbalist, you've recently been interviewed um, in a new docuseries. Ancient Medicine for Modern Illness, hosted by Nick Palizzi. So you discussed yeah. a number of conditions, and you discussed yeah. uh, autoimmune conditions, Lyme disease, and you also talk about cancer. Can you talk yeah. about uh, each one of those conditions and give us some details? What can herbal medicines do for autoimmune? So, so interesting. They interviewed me, and I thought they were going to talk about cardiology, but they were more interested that as an integrative cardiologist, Patients come from all over to see me for the other work I do. So let's talk about autoimmune disease. We have 126 documented autoimmune diseases, but we only have 36 blood tests for them, which means we don't have a blood test for every autoimmune gene that's out there. Autoimmune, the word auto, is that it's self-inflicted. I don't believe it's self-inflicted. I believe the reason we have autoimmune today is because of the environment toxicity. 
And I believe the environment toxicity has caused much more illness than we ever expected. An example, I teach at Bridgeport at the College of Naturopathic Medicine. When I teach oncology, I'm a cardiologist teaching oncology because I was taught that 90% of cancer is genetic and only 10% is environment. That's when I went to medical school. Mm -hmm. And I went to medical school more than 35 years ago. Today, I teach these students, and I believe because I see it, that 90% of cancers and autoimmune disease are inflicted by the environment. What we eat, what we drink, and what we breathe. So I have Very to say powerful. that autoimmune. Yeah, and then you think about that. And I think in New York, we're seeing a lot of the environmental because of 9-11. And we're, it's in the news a lot about trying to fight these, these men and women who fought uh, ground zero where they are, are now getting sick 15, 16 years later and dying of illnesses that should not have happened. So when we talk about autoimmune disease, I'm saying it's inflicted by the environment. So again, going back to what we eat, what we drink, and really the air we breathe. It, 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 no, I'm in New York. This is not the best air to be breathing. So uh, I have to yes. say, you know, so people come and autoimmune disease, we always think it's inflicted by auto meaning self. I don't think so. I think it's inflicted by all of these factors. And when it comes to food, we could have, you could have a whole show on the agricultural industry. You could have a whole show on plastic bottles. Yes. So, you know, so it's, it really, I think, finally it's getting recognized. Unfortunately, in New York, it's a very hard state to practice medicine the way I want to. New York, and I mean, listen, I don't really care what I say because I'm free spirit and I'm telling the truth. I cannot get certain tests in New York. Because they're not allowed. Some of this is metal testing by hair. Yes. Mm -hmm. Some of this is pl testing plastic. But I could do it in the state of Connecticut. So for 25 years, I've held a license in the state of Connecticut without an office. Six years ago, I became an instructor at the College of Naturopathic Medicine. And this January, I opened an office. So I have my New York patients come to Connecticut to get the testing. I'm trying to beat yeah. the system. But, but it works. Well, anything to help your patients, that's, that's your approach. I think that in conventional medicine, we do not give all of the modalities that exist to our patients. I try to give every modality, explain it to the best of my ability, and let the patient make the decision, do I want to do just conventional medicine? Do I want to do some integrative therapies? The integrative therapies might be, botanicals, mm -hmm. nutraceuticals, it might be bee venom therapy, it might be um, acupuncture, massage, Reiki. So I think all of these, there are studies to show all of these work for different things. And I think as conventional doctors that are coming out, they're narrow-minded. So you said there are 126 autoimmune diseases. Correct. What are the top five that you see in your practice? Oh, my breath. So I became a gastroenterologist. I didn't even know it because mm. the top, the top is uh, celiac or gluten sensitivity, or today right. it's called non-celiac gluten sensitivity. Yet I see more Hashimoto's and I could be an endocrinologist. Right. And I have great, I do great work with Hashimoto's because I had Hashimoto's. I say mm. I had because my therapy, I don't have any antibodies anymore. And, and endocrinologists, I remember when I was 18 said, you'll never get rid of this. 
well, you know, 40 years later, I don't have antibodies against my thyroid, so I did get rid of it. So I think it's celiac, Hashimoto's, rheumatoid arthritis, lupus, and fibromyalgia, or poly, I would say fibromyalgia. So there's, there's top five, and we don't have blood tests for fibromyalgia. It's a diagnosis of exclusion. Yes. And, and so many the, practitioners don't even regard this as a, as a fully-blown condition, right? It's very difficult to treat to, for traditional medicine doctors. So difficult to read by traditional, but there are great books on it now by certain herbalists and certain um, integrative doctors. There's a lot of studies where what could help and what can help. We have to link all the, all the toxicities, such as metals, plastics, to be a cause of fibromyalgia. And we have to also say that the one person who really is enlightened fibromyalgia is the medical medium. Mm-hmm. Anthony Williams, who I know very well, he, he, he has enlightened us all about EBB, but a lot of people, conventional doctors, don't believe it. Yes. So, so you know, there, I, think the, I think what conventional doctors need to do, and even integrated doctors, read, read, read. Get journals, read the books, listen to these kind of programs, listen to the docu-series. You learn. I learned so much from just being a part of that program. And these are herbalists that I've worked with for the last 20 years. Yeah. I never got to hear them. Well, the beautiful thing about medicine um, and all the fields that surround the, uh, the doctor or the medicine is that learning never stops. And the science is advancing. And there's so many more modalities every day coming out that, that may be not as well known, but they could be revolutionary changing trajectory of someone's life. And, and I think, and you have to find that predict practitioner. So I will say this, I don't do everything. Meaning, I would love to have my own hyperbaric oxygen. I would love to do photoluminescence. I've done this stuff, but I refer out. So I specialize in what I think is for comfortable for me, but if there are modalities that the patient needs, I will refer out. And I think that's what a lot of conventional doctors don't do. Yes. I have a friend uh, who is uh, very involved in functional and integrated medicine space, and he says, if you're not getting better, speak to more doctors. He said, I don't care if you spoke to two doctors, three doctors, five, 20, 50. There, there may be an answer out, out there for you. Keep looking. Um, and some patients are very good advocates for their own health. Yes. So you mentioned something very interesting. You said autoimmune conditions are self-inflicted. And well, the word auto, you know, the word auto means self. Mm-hmm. So some people, the conventional doctors feel it's inflicted by our own immune system. I disagree with that. I think the insult happens because we're insulted by whatever toxin, and there's a lot of toxins out there. I mean, you could have a show on mycotoxins, mm-hmm. mold. You could have a show on, pl- there's so much out there, and I think that, you could try to be live in a bubble, but it's not going to work. Yes. I think I tell my patients to pick and choose what they feel is comfortable for them. For instance, not every patient can afford organic food. So if that's the case, then go to your farmer's market and support them. Mm-hmm. Not every person can afford vitamins at a high end, but get the best quality you can by looking at consumerlabs.com. Not everyone could afford water in a glass bottle or a box. So you have to pick and choose. So I think we could do, every person has the ability to make a difference. The question is how, what extent are you going to go to do that is the question. 
And there are a lot of things we can do. And all those modalities are very important. Not drinking from, from plastic bottles, getting organic right. foods. And it adds up. And toxicity that we're talking about is cumulative. It's not one yes. day, two days, or three days. It's decades, over decades. And people say, I was healthy. How did this happen? Well, let's look at the last 30 years of your life. Well, and it's so interesting because 20, I think 24 years ago, I attended a conference on methylation. Mm-hmm. I sat during that conference and said, geez, what are they talking about? They're talking about a gene that doesn't make us detox. Well, finally, 24 years later, I've been running MTHFR blood testing for the last 27 years mm-hmm. to find out who could detox. Finally, it's being talked about. Yes. So I really think that things that were done years ago are finally coming into the forefront because people are studying them and it makes a difference. And you have to know if you can detox, and the one thing I do always say, that every disease is governed by the gut. So the gut is the gateway to every disease, including heart disease. If you don't have a clean gut, and I don't mean a clean colon, I mean a clean small intestines where mm-hmm. you're absorbing and assimilating and processing. If you don't have a clean small intestines, if you get the inflammation there and then it spreads to the heart, to the joints, to the lung. So really the gateway of all disease is gut inflammation. And finally, finally we're getting people talking about it. I completely agree with you. So let's come back to autoimmune diseases. What therapeutic modalities do you use? Herbal modalities, do you consider LDN? What's your... uh, LDN is my favorite drug. So, you know, the first thing I think with with any autoimmune disease, you must be gluten-free. Mm-hmm. I don't care whether you have a diagnosis of celiac or not, you have to stop inflammatory foods, and gluten is an inflammatory food. Not as a fad. There's a big fad. Everyone stops gluten. No. If you have an autoimmune disease like psoriasis, you need to stop gluten. The mm-hmm. second thing you need to do is you really should do a food allergy test and see what other foods you're allergic to. Meaning, if you're allergic to gluten, you're also sensitive to dairy. Mm-hmm. So the way a lot of people can't afford this testing, so what I do is I tell them, listen, whatever food you eat, only eat it twice a week. And they say, what do you mean? I said, whatever you eat on Monday, you eat again on Thursday. Whatever you eat on Tuesday, you eat on Friday. And Wednesday is Saturday. And they said, what do I do on Sunday? I say, take a cooking class and find something else you could teach. Just like to cook. <laughs> but, you know, really, the thing is you can't eat the same foods all the time. Marion Nestle, a famous nutritionist, wrote, you are what you eat. So you basically have to incorporate diet into autoimmune disease. So you have to change your diet. The thing, the next thing you have to do is you want to boost your own immune system, and that's where low-dose naltrexone comes in. So people, for those who are listening, naltrexone, the other word is Narcan. Narcan is in the news because it is the antidote to drug addiction. But that dose is 100 to 150 milligrams. I write one milligram up to 6.5, although the books say four, for people with autoimmune disease. Mm-hmm. I took naltrexone for years to get my Hashimoto's antibodies to zero, and it worked. The only side effect. So here's a conventional medicine that an integrative doctor like me took it at 100 times less, and the study showed that it's good for all, and I mean all autoimmune disease. So you start at one milligram. The only side effect when you get up to three is dreams. Who doesn't like to have a dream now and then? And it does work. I get people off medicine. I mean, how many people are on Synthroid that were told you'll never get off of it? 
mm-hmm. and you start LDN, the antibodies come down, you could get off Stentor. My question is, why the endocrinologist is not using it? Yes. It, it's amazing that I'm asking the same question, and, and I'm very familiar with LDN. Actually, I take it myself to boost my immune system. It's one of my favorite drugs out there. And, and think about it. I, I can answer the question. I'll answer it. Why are they not using it? Because that means the do- that means the conventional medicine like Synthroid or all these other thyroid medicines, levothyroxine, no one would use them anymore. Because you don't need thyroid medicine to control your thyroid if you bring your antibodies down. And that's specifically for Hashimoto's. Mm-hmm. So a gluten-free lifestyle, change of diet, LDN, and you do need some nish- nutritional supplementation if you cannot get it from food. Makes sense. So there are certain, and you know, you know, everyone thinks Dr. Atkins was this just protein, high protein, high fat guy. Let me tell you what I learned from Bob Atkins. He wrote a book called the Vitamin Nutrient Solution. If you could still get it, you get it because it lists every supplement that could be used for different diseases. He was very meticulous about writing this book. And we went when we rewrote the Atkins New Diet Revolution. He included a lot of that book in there. It's a brilliant book. A brilliant book. So there's, you know, I think, I think that we have to go back to certain basic medicine and we have to start teaching in medical school these basic nutritional deficiencies that still exist today, but no one talks about it, really. So autoimmune, I think, so I'll make it easier for, I give seven lifestyle changes that people have to do. And if I draw it like, I do a triangle. Mm -hmm. And the triangle is... At the bottom is the biggest part of the base. The first thing you have to do is change your dietary lifestyle. And that could mean getting food tested, but change the way you're eating. Eat things smaller. Don't eat them all the time. The second lifestyle change is exercise. Exercise can improve any disease. Mm-hmm. Now, someone say, well, I don't go to the gym. You don't have to go to the gym. Do an exercise that you enjoy that at least you'll be consistent with. So if that means trampoline, then do trampoline. If that means stationary bike, do stationary bike. But try to do enough to get your heart rate up. If you could do those two major lifestyle changes, you're almost there because that's the biggest part of the triangle. As the triangle goes up, the third lifestyle change is addictions. Now, no one wants to discuss addictions because when you discuss the word addictions, it means drugs, alcohol, smoking, And I discuss addictions as energy thieves, whatever that energy thief is. So mine is needlepoint. Mm -hmm. That's an energy thief. I spend a lot of time doing it. It's a good addiction, but it can get me in trouble because I spend so much time doing it. Some people are addicted to perfectionism. Some people, like Italians, are addicted to family drama. So an addiction, so you have to discuss it. And this is what I discuss with the patient. I go through these lifestyle changes because I want the patient to know that I'm real. I'm not here just to take off a medicine or put on a, a, a plant or take off a medicine, put on a, a vitamin. I'm here to discuss body, mind, and spirit. And that involves dietary exercise addictions. The fourth lifestyle change, if you could get up to it, probably will change your life. And that's meditation. So here I'm now bringing another modality into it. Now, why do I bring addiction and meditation in? One, I'm 25 years sober. I have to bring that into my practice. Mm -hmm. And because of sobriety, I meditate. Because it's part of one of the, it's the 11th step. 
I don't meditate a little. I meditate 45 minutes a day. I do not leave my home without meditation because that centers me the way I start the day. And people say, well, I can't sit still for 45 minutes. I Listen, I could never sit still for three minutes when I was a kid. That's why my parents had me go on a medicine. But today I can. Once you get to the fourth lifestyle change and you start meditating, you will notice that life changes. It gets better. Diseases get better. There are studies to show that meditation can reverse diseases. The fifth lifestyle change is your own self-esteem. And mm-hmm. I consider that very important for all of us. I think if you could improve your self-esteem by picking up a hobby, and that's why I picked up needlepoints. Some hobbies could be painting, something where you use your hands. Go back to be that little kid when you really enjoyed life. The sixth lifestyle change is anger and resentment, and that involves getting rid of anger and resentment because that brings on disease. And that involves a lot of relationships, which you said you talked about last week in your show. Mm-hmm. Yes. And the seventh lifestyle change is self-love. So we're not perfect. So someone says, Dr. Franklin, do you do these? I said, I'm imperfectly perfect. <laughs> I do them to the best of my ability. I do it better today than I did yesterday. And tomorrow I hope to do better than I did today. That, that's so and important. You, yeah, and if you could bring those modalities in, which does involve some emotional and psychological work, um, I think people could beat disease. I think disease is reversible. We do know that cancer patients have a high degree of anger. We do know that patients who have a lot of anger and resentment do get cancer and heart disease, two major diseases. So I think when people come to me, they're getting more than they ask for, but I think it has to be discussed by someone. I, I could tell you for sure, they probably don't expect to get these types of lessons from a cardiologist. And, and those lessons are very, very powerful. Uh, I could tell you, I would add um, one more addiction that I know a lot of my friends have, is sugar addiction. Yeah. Uh, well, which, sugar's big. I mean, that's, yes. that's it. I mean, so I, I put that as a carb addiction. Some people are addicted to carbs. And when I say yes. sugar, today I had a gentleman who has cancer who's getting better for what I did for him. But I noticed his sugar was going up. Because he went back to eating morning croissants and sweets. And I said, listen, you spent all this time getting rid of your cancer and getting negative scans. And now it's going to come back because you're addicted to your croissants. He says, what do you mean? That's not sugar. He did. Well, see, but he wasn't thinking sugar is croissants. In his mind, sugar is candy, M&Ms and chocolate. Yes. He wasn't thinking that all the refined carbohydrates are worse than the M&Ms. Yes. So, wow, we are having a really good discussion and I'm enjoying it tremendously. We'll continue after these messages. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Halde Pharmaceutical Compounding is one of the nation's top compounding pharmacies. We work with medical professionals as well as consumers, both human and veterinary. If you're a patient or a doctor and need to consult us, please call us for a free consultation. Additionally, you may purchase carefully selected quality brand supplements and vitamins at discounted prices at hcompound.com. 
To schedule a personalized consultation with Dr. Haldi or one of our associates, please email us at wellness at hcompound.com or call us at 646-650-5040. You can also check us out at hcompound.com. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to Prescription for Success. If you'd like to reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to wellness at hcompound.com. Now back to Prescription for Success. Welcome back to Prescription for Success. This is your host, Emil Haldi. Today, I have a phenomenal guest with me, Dr. Patrick Fratillon. is an integrative cardiologist and a registered herbalist. To learn more about Dr. Fratillon, please visit his website at fratillonmedical.com. To learn more about Haldi Pharmaceuticals or to sign up for a consultation, give us a call at 646-650-5040 or email me at wellness.hcompound.com. What a wonderful discussion we're having, Dr. Fratellon. And to my listeners, if you're enjoying this discussion, please tell all your friends and family to join in and listen as well. In a previous segment, we talked about autoimmune diseases and many other chronic conditions. And we talked about there are 126 autoimmune diseases, and you recommended some amazing things, amazing lifestyle changes and things that anyone could implement starting today immediately to change the trajectory of their life. Um, what about herbal remedies for autoimmune diseases? Do you use those? So, yes. Yeah, so I, the one thing, the one herbal remedies is to help the cortisol system. Cortisol is the hormone that we all put out when we're stressed. We're supposed to wake up at a decent cortisol level. And by eight o'clock, it's supposed to come down appropriately. Most of us who have stress in our lives and who doesn't have stress, whatever that is, wake up with a low cortisol and it peaks about 8 to 10 p.m. So when everyone's sleeping, you're awake. Yes. So the thing is you have to help the adrenals. We don't have in conventional medicine a good drug to help the adrenals. We have drugs to destroy the adrenals, such as steroids, but we don't have a good drug to help the adrenals. So there are many adaptogenic herbs that help this, uh, the adrenal glands. I've learned a lot of this from David Winston, who's a registered herbalist, one of my mentors years ago. Um, there's a lot of good books on adaptogenic herbs, but some of the adaptogenic herbs people know, Siberian ginseng, American ginseng, Panix ginseng. 
But one adaptogenic herb that everyone should take, probably we don't talk about, is ashwagandha, which is with thania. So, I mean, I say this so freely and it comes off my tongue, but it took a lot of years to learn all this and it works. So I really do say that I, all my patients take ashwagandha. Um, if you're depressed, another adaptogenic herb is rhodiola. Mm-hmm. For children with um, ADD or ADHD, you got centella, which is go to cola. So there, and shishandra berry. So I give a mixture of adaptogenic herbs to change the stress of the person's life. And that low cortisol slowly in time becomes higher and you get the cortisol at night becoming lower because the word that doc, integrative doctors throw out is adrenal fatigue. Mm-hmm. Our adrenals are fighting for us, but after a while, they just poop out. Now, when the pancreas poops out, you get diabetes. That we can recognize. But yes. when, the adrenal, when the adrenal poops out, no one talks about that because we don't have a drug, a conventional drug to help. I'm offering some things to help. Yes. Even acupuncture helps tremendously. Very, very important. It's a, it's a condition that's under-recognized in medicine, adrenal fatigue. Yes. It's, we only, I only hear it in the integrated functional medicine space, and that most people have no idea what to do. So you gave some really amazing pearls. I love them. You also talked about something very important, and I'm very big into that, self-love. We talked about this uh, in, in a relationship discussion uh, yes. at a previous show. People say how you treat others is likely a representation of how you treat yourself. I got even one better. How you treat animals is a better indicator of how you treat people. Wow. Very, very powerful. But what I found also in my discussions with my patients, my friends, my family members, people in general, that we beat ourselves up, all of us, right? Yes. And if we don't have the self-love in a very therapeutic way, right? How do you, when something goes wrong, do you beat yourself up? Or you say, oh, I learned from this mistake. This is a therapeutically healthy way to approach a situation. I think if we as a society or as human beings can change that, this would have a tremendous impact on many conditions. I would say at the lowest point in my life when I wasn't sober, um, I, was st- I was practicing at the time. It's towards when I had to start giving up the, the bad habits I was doing. And a woman came into my life who was very famous. Um, and her name was Audrey Hepburn. And I met her in the hospital and she said to me, she knew she had such an intuition. She was, she was very graceful. She said to me, and she wrote this in her book, why did God give you two hands? And I'm not going to discuss religion because to me, God is good orderly direction. Mm-hmm. And that's just for me. Right. But she asked me and I didn't couldn't answer. I was a really a low point in my life. And she said, you know what? She gave you, he, gave, he or she gave you two hands one hand to help my friend like you're doing because I was a person I was treating and the other hand is to help yourself. So when you leave this room today, go and help yourself and you'll be a better doctor. And I got sober three months later. It's amazing. Yes. So I have to tell you, there's been, I think what you said is so true. How could you expect to love or help someone else when you don't have self-love for yourself? And that's a very big statement. But when you look at disease, it's a true statement. Yes. I mean, the best caregivers in the world, the best caregivers in the world are those people that care for themselves and help themselves first. Yes. Wow. What an interesting, powerful discussion. Lyme disease, right? Let's switch oh. gears a little bit. It's considered That's an epidemic. epidemic. Yes. Epidemic. 
By <laughs> I'd be, well, it's so funny. I went into infectious disease and I started a fellowship in that at Cornell. And I wind up, I finished the fellowship, but I never became an ID doctor because it was all about HIV at that time. And now ID is all about Lyme. But yet, when are we going to declare it an epidemic? It's an epidemic. It is. And conventional doctors only see acute Lyme in their mind. They don't believe in chronic persistent Lyme syndrome, which I call CPLS. I'm a Lyme doctor. I do a lot of work for Lyme disease. And I do that for two reasons. And I became very involved with Lyme because my son has Lyme. My son got Lyme at nine years old. I did something where it was called photoluminescence. I changed all his blood. His test came completely negative. He got rebid again at uh, 17. To this day, he has never been able to get rid of it. And I've done a lot of modalities. And the reason why is you will never, once you have chronic persistent Lyme, you always have it. The goal is to help your immune system get better to suppress the Lyme. You're not going to get rid of Lyme. You're just going to make your immune system so good that it keeps the Lyme at bay. And it is possible. So how do you treat Lyme? What's your high-level protocol for that? So if you get bit today and you went to the doctor within 72 hours, you do need an antibiotic. This is the nicest thing about being an integrative doctor that has an MD license plus an integrative. I can write a prescription for doxycycline. So if you got bit within 72 hours, you must take doxycycline. If you know you don't know when you got bit, you should do a month of doxycycline. Today, some integrative doctors give you three months. I take an approach that the antibiotics, if you're coming to me, you probably had Lyme for years. And you've been to multiple doctors, and there's a lot of good Lyme doctors out there. But I take an herbal approach. So I use um, Healing Lyme by uh, Stephen Bruner. Stephen Bruner was on the docuseries with me. I got I thought I was talking about heart disease, and Nick got me talking about Lyme. So uh, Bruner has a great protocol. His book is Healing Lyme. It's in its second print. There's also Healing Co-Infections. So I use a bunch of different herbs. There's the Zang protocol, which is only garlic. There's the Cowden protocol, which is only Salmento. I use all of these herbs and rotate them because you have to trick the bug. You have to trick the Borrelia. You, if you give it the same herb or the same conventional medicine, it's going to get resistant. Hmm. So I change herbs every week. So one week of one set, another week of another set. So I do a lot of herbal approaches. I do give um, some IV support with some IV things that are not conventionally used. And I even have used bee venom in my practice for Lyme patients. So I'm going out of the box. Um, and... I have, and my own son has gone through bee therapy very reluctantly, but I have to say it helped. I'm glad to hear. But there was a point that I said, you know, Gregory, you need to do IV ceftriaxone because it crosses the blood-brain barrier. It's an antibiotic. He said, Dad, I don't want to do it. I don't want to get a pick line. I said, okay, then let me give you ceftriaxone Monday through Friday. I give you off on Saturday and Sunday. And he did it for months. Every little bit of therapy helps with Lyme. You have to change the diet. You have to do certain exercise. You have to take certain supplements. There's a lot of work. It's not easy to treat a patient with Lyme today. Not easy. Plus, there's co-infections. And the dreaded Epstein-Barr virus is a co-infection to Lyme. Mycoplasma is a co-infection. So doctors who treat Lyme really need to read Stephen Bruner's book and other books 
that there's a lot more that we don't know. And we're still learning. We're still learning. Yes. One of the things I really enjoy hearing from you, you already mentioned several folks that you learned from. And yes. that, that to me is a, is a mind that's always learning and absorbing. And uh, you, you, you're not high enough to say that I have mentors in certain areas. This is uh, really, really cool. Well, you know, I, I, people, when I do read a lot. I probably read three books a week. Um, and I have to tell you, I do that because I, I could cite books of what I read. And I think it's important because those people who wrote their books are my mentors. I can read the book and tell you about the book because it's there. And I think that if you need some, some people need documentation. I don't like these kind of people, but they need it in writing and they need the reference and all that. If you need it, it's there and I will tell you about it. But a lot of it is experience. So I have a lot of experience with the herbs and stuff, but I also could cite the books where I got that information. And although I only know Stephen maybe seven or eight years, he is a mentor of mine because I read his book when it first came out. Mm -hmm. So the books are really important. They really are. And I think, and I do believe that constant learning is the way to help most patients. And honestly, Do I know everything? I know I don't because they said in the first half of the show, I'm imperfectly perfect. So if you ask me something and I don't know, I'm going to say I don't know. But I tell you what, I'll go buy a book on it that night and I'll learn about it. That's right. I love it. Imperfectly perfect. That's a really good (laughs) saying. Uh, Let's talk about cancer. It's it's, to say that it's an epidemic is, is an understatement. The World Health Organization estimates that there will be a surge of 57% worldwide in the coming years. So we, we, it's actually increasing. Yes. What do you do? Do you have a protocol to support cancer therapy? And also in the series with uh, Nick Polizzi, you yes. mentioned that you have a special test that you do in yes. your RGC. So first I want to say that if I ever di- got diagnosed with cancer and it wasn't Hodgkin's, I would leave this country. If I got diagnosed with Hodgkin's, I would stay because we do bone marrow transplants. Mm-hmm. If I got any other cancer, I would leave because there's other other chemotherapy and other modalities that we do not do in the United States. So being that way and knowing family members that have died of very serious cancers, I became very active in helping people find the right people to go to. So in Europe, we have chemosensitivity testing, which we do not have in the United States. There's a lab in Greece that's a certified lab called RGCC. I utilize, I've been utilizing this lab for 23 years before people haven't heard about it. And it's taking a sample of blood and sending it to Greece, to the lab. The thing is, it's not a certified test. So I do this test. I'm the messenger. I love being the messenger. I direct the person. You could come here and do the test. I am not charging you for the test. You have to contact the lab and do pay online. I am only there to draw your blood and I'm giving you the sample for you to mail it yourself because mm-hmm. I don't want to be involved with it because I could lose my license, but it works. I have patients who are still living with cancer today who are told they would not live. So what does the test do? It tells you by your blood sample, what chemo will work for your cancer. So it's directed chemotherapy. So in the United States, even though we have great studies and great trials, say we have only five drugs for breast cancer, which is not true, but say we do. 
Our oncologists use those five drugs. But what happens if there's a drug for skin cancer that might work for your breast cancer? You would not know to use it. This test will tell you what percentage of other drugs will kill your cancer. That's an incredible tool. So if I'm going to get chemo here, I'm going to make sure I got the Greek test first. The second part of the test, it tells you what supplements and what herbs work for your cancer. So a lot of people, and I understand it, when they get cancer, first of all, the word cancer, I mean, it's like, you know, know, from Lost in Yonkers, you have to say the word very slow, cancer, because it's such a a bad word. But I don't think that's true today. I think you should say you have cancer because people will hear you and say, you know, I have someone who did this. And that's how word of mouth gets around. So this test also tells you what supplement and herb will work. Well, a lot of people go out and buy hundreds, thousands of dollars of supplements for cancer. How do we know they work for them? By getting the RGC test, you will find out what supplement works for your cancer based on your blood work. Wow. That, that's very powerful life-saving information for a lot of people. And have you had a lot of experience with this? Oh, oh my God. I can't tell you. I mean, and the, the one thing is, I will say the test is a lot. I could range anywhere between $23 and $2,800. But if it could change the type of chemo you get to save your life, it's worth it. Yes. And I appreciate and I had, the honesty about saying that it's, it's between the patient but, and the lab. I, I, I had a young man in my office today that three years ago got diagnosed with esophageal carcinoma. Hmm. Young guy. His father got diagnosed with the same thing at the same time. His father since has died. This kid's still living. He did the RGC test. He has followed everything that that protocol said would work for him. He's rotating the herbs. He did the right chemotherapy. He didn't do the chemo that they suggested. He did the chemo that the test suggested, and he never had surgery. And I have to say, knock wood today, he is cancer-free. Wow. Amazing. Now, esophageal cancer is not a cancer you cure very easily. I couldn't do it with my cousin who had pancreatic cancer because that's a cancer that by the time it's diagnosed, you're almost, you know you're stage four and there's nothing to do. Yes. I also refer to other clinics in the world that treat cancer differently, like Paracelsus. These are different clinics throughout the world. So I give the patient the option. So when you're coming to a cancer consult with me, you better tape it because I'm telling you it's ever on the top of my head that day to let it out because it could save you. And people today, I really, I have to say, without getting emotional, that's probably the best part of my job. Because I have saved kids. I have a three-year-old with cancer now that he breaks my heart. But I know that his parents will follow this and he will get better because conventional medicine gave up on him. I mean, how do you give up on a patient? You know, it, it's very emotional. And, you know, I, I, I try to do the best, but it doesn't work for everyone. But if I could give that news, and unfortunately, as I said, it is expensive. You know, but there are our foundations that would pay for that test for you to get it. Parents, parents of children that have cancer have taught me the world. They've taught me about resources, who to contact to help pay the bills. And even though I'm a physician, if I could give you the institution that will lend you $1,000 to pay for your test, I'll do it. Yes. Wow. And, you, you know, this, I, I could see that this particular patient just touched and moved you. And that's because you care oh. so deeply uh, about your patients. It moved me because the thing is, I mean, I just look, it's, it's a young, look, whenever, listen, we all, listen, we all know we're going to die. 
We all know we're going to die and I think we have to accept that. But when you're taken at such a young age and you don't get to show the world what you have, that's a shame. So I'm trying to get a little more out of this kid's life. And I might not work, but I'm giving him the best shot I can. Yes. Yes. Let's switch gears a little bit. Let's talk about a middle-aged... Yeah, please, please let's switch. <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about a middle-aged man who has uh, heart disease, has been through traditional treatment, um, statins, some stents in, in, in his or her yeah. heart. What do you so do? First of all, well, first of all, it's not all about cholesterol. Let's just be frank. It's not about cholesterol. Um, there are great studies that show that you have to lower cholesterol. Do you have to lower the bad cholesterol, the LDL to 70 and go on a drug? No. You can lower the bad cholesterol with diet, exercise, and maybe globe artichoke. Hmm. Maybe you could lower with um, red rice yeast, but you better watch the effect because it has effect of a statin. Maybe you better lower with the new studies that just came out on bergamot. So, Heart disease is real. I know that females fear breast cancer more, but heart disease will kill more women than breast cancer. So you have to be frank about this. Yes. I want to, and heart disease, in my opinion, is reversible. You have to just be willing to change and go out of the box, and you don't have to take all the medicines. So if there's a family history of heart disease and you have the APOE gene 3-4, which is a gene of heart disease, You better change your diet. You better just get rid of refined carbohydrates. You better do that seven lifestyle changes. And you better get on some supplements that could lower your blood pressure and not always use medication. For an instance, we know that Hawthorne is an herb that lowers blood pressure. We know that magnesium does. We know that arginine does. But arginine is also a fuel source for certain viruses. So I give citrulline instead of arginine. So there's all little tricks. But you do not have to die of heart disease today. So powerful. You said heart disease is reversible. That's not I what the conventional cardiologist is uh, saying out there. Well, but they're not saying that because they're supporting drug companies that make a lot of money. They're supporting the stents. Now, don't get me wrong. If a patient has a 90% blockage and needs extent, I will give them that stent. I'm not going to deny that. I think there's a need for bypass. There's need for stents. If you have a 90% lesion of the left main, you better get a bypass or you're going to die. So knowing conventional cardiology, I have an edge because I get, to, I get to say it correctly. That if you need a valve, listen, I had valve surgery. I'd be a, I'd be a hypocrite not to make you go for valve surgery when I had my chest opened up. Yes. So, so you really, if you need the surgery, it's life-saving. But do you have to rely only on conventional aspects? The answer is no. What about a diet and heart disease? Is that important? Well, I think that, let's, let's face it, we know that refined, so everyone talks about Atkins with high fat. The one thing that Bob had it right is no simple carbohydrates. Sugar is white death. I think sugar is more white death than cocaine. Sugar affects everything. It will grow cancers. It will progress heart disease. It causes diabetes. Two epidemics in the United States, diabetes and obesity. What do they both lead to? Heart disease. They're the twin epidemics. Dr. Atkins taught me about these twin epidemics 20 years ago, and it's more prevalent today than ever before. But who are we fighting against? The agriculture industry. We're fighting against every McDonald's out there. We're fighting against all this other stuff. So you really have to get 
your priorities straight. Diet is more important than you think. Yes. And it's life-changing. And, and, and there are, there's data out there. Diet plus other modalities uh, can potentially reverse heart disease, even stabilize or, or shrink your cancers. Um, it's out there, but the thing is, people want to see double-blind studies, and they're not always out there. Who's going to pay for a double-blind study of a drug versus an herb? Let's say yes. But if more people listen and be their own health advocate, they will find their own answer. Everyone's journey is different. I cannot say that every cancer patient I treat does well. I can't say every heart disease patient does well. But I will say that they have an extra added zest to their life. And, and that's a lot. Yes. So as a compounding pharmacist, we, as you know, in, in my pharmacy and other compounding pharmacies, we do a lot of IV treatments for nutritional supplementation. Yes. How do you use those in your practice? So I have a whole IV support. I, uh, I made a lot of formulas when I did Dr. Atkins. Um, I have IV formulas for chronic fatigue. I have IV formulas for cancer support. I have IV formulas for heart disease. There are some times that people do need IV supplementation where they can't get it in orally. For instance, we have leaky gut, which is a whole other subject. But leaky gut or irritable bowel, you want to call it, means you're not absorbing. If you're not absorbing and you're seeing me, then I'm going to put you on a week, at least three weeks to four weeks of IV nutrients to get the system going. All supplements at that point should be powder, liquid, or tea. I use a lot of teas. I'm an herbalist who doesn't want a cup of tea. Um, and I rest the bowel and give it IV, powder, tea, and then eventually I get in the supplementation. But you do need, I think most patients do need IV treatment to get them boosted. What some of the remarkable shifts have you seen with IV therapy? Something that well, really the, raised okay. eyebrows. The remarkable thing is how I could stop cancer growth with glutathione, which is a powerful antioxidant. Mm-hmm. I could stop an allergy reaction with glutathione. Pulmonary, hy- uh, pulmonary fibrosis is a disease where you can't cure, people die. I give them inhaled glutathione and IV glutathione intravenous, and I reverse it. So... Remarkable things are done with glutathione, remarkable things done with phosphatidylcholine. Mm-hmm. But again, you can't just do this once. So I don't want people to think on the radio, oh, I'm going to come in for a glutathione trip and my cancer is going to go away. It takes all the modalities that you and I talked about, and I appreciate this show, but it also takes the IVs at the same time. But not just one IV. You might have to do a cumulative effect of IVs. Everything in life is about routines and protocols and long-term effects. Wow, what a tremendous show, Dr. Fratellon. I want to thank you for your information, for your kindness, for being frank and open about uh, uh, what you've learned and you're sharing so much vital information with, the, with people out there. This is life-saving information. And I hope if you heard the show and you think this could benefit a friend of yours or a family member of yours, please forward them the show. The show is going to be podcasted. Ladies and gentlemen, this makes it a show. If you want to live a happier, fuller, and healthier life, you need to be the CEO of your health. You need to be guided by an amazing practitioner, but it's your life. You lead it. Thank you so much for joining us. Until next time, be happy and healthy. Thank you for tuning in to Prescription for Success. Be sure to join your host, Dr. Emil Haldi, next Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel for another edition of the program. Have a great and healthy week.